Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When this fall is What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bruh Meets World. But it's Bruh Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 45. I'm Siege. I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. Timothy. How are you doing today? Yo, I'm doing good, man. Uh, I have you over to my new place, and we're about to have like a little Christmas hang, and it's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the season. It's, yeah. Uh, we're recording this in December, officially. Yes, yep. By the time this gets out, it'll be December. So yeah, this yeah, will be sure. your first December on the West Coast. Yeah, is it different out here? Yeah, it is. I mean, you're from Florida, so it's not like that different, but um, it, it does have a Christmas vibe that... You know, I think I just, you wouldn't expect from LA. I'm just super excited to do like Hollywood Christmas stuff. Like I, there's a bunch of just like rooftop showings of like Christmas movies. There is, but I'll also let you know, no one's here during Christmas. It's like the one good thing about LA is major holidays. It becomes a ghost town. That's fine with me. I'm looking forward to avoiding that traffic anyway. Yeah, it's literally, you're like, did everyone die? Yeah, it's It's the off season, guys. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm also super excited to talk about this very important Yo, episode. Yo, this episode knocked me out my chair. Alright, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of on the same page with this. I was, was like, they said, here's the thing. I mean, even as a fan of Boy Meets World and knowing the major points, this literally just was like, oh, a kind of little fun theme. Oh, shit. Are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is, um, you know, this is the last, the second to last episode of the season. Yep. So we're in May sweeps at this point. They're yep. building up to this finale. And I'm surprised that we got so much in this episode versus the finale. Because this felt like a finale episode. Not only did this, well, it actually feels a little unfinished okay. to me. Okay, all right. But uh, you're right in the sense of like, if this was like the beginning of a two-hour episode, yeah. I would be like, yeah, because, whoa, we just took turns I was not planning for. And a lot of character changes, too. Yeah. Like big changes in uh, just dynamics on the show. And, you know, let's... Let's, let's just get into yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, let's yeah, get okay. into this. So, uh, let's start off with our Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. All right. So, this is Season 2, Episode 22, Career Day. It's career day at John Adams High, and all of our titular characters' dads show up, including the infamous Jedediah, Topanga's dad. Alan also shows up, who embarrasses Corey with his job as a grocer, but then we get a surprise. Sean's dad, Chet Hunter. And Chet brings even more surprising news. Sean's mother has taken off with their mother, their mobile home. In a B storyline, Eric is studying for the SATs and not handling. In a C storyline, Jonathan and his lady have some big decisions and conversations. Yeah. Well, they well. don't have any. No, no, <laughs> That's no, what no. I like about it. Uh, in, in the Taylor's Oldest Time TV trope, um, they have been seeing each other for a while because it's been... We've sure. seen them. Well, actually... I haven't seen her since that Turnaround Dance episode, actually. Exactly. Which should have been more than three months ago, if I'm not... It was Christmas, yeah. So, I'm just saying that yeah. she was like, we've been seeing each other for three months. I was like, so it sounds to me like you a... were hitting it for a little bit, and then you were 100%, like... 100%. Because <laughs> she was on a few episodes even before that turnaround one. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, that that's that storyline. As soon as I was like, this is kind of coming out of nowhere, but they tie, they brought it back in. I, yeah. I thought they did a good well, job. Well, I also thought that that was a way of showing that Turner has his whole his own life you know what i mean like he's not just waiting around and they were like oh he's not doing anything well even sean says like oh i didn't realize you guys had a life outside the school which i think is so true of students like they really just think that teachers plug at like uh, like turn off at the end of the day well we were talking about mean girls earlier today and that whole scene in mean girls where she's like it's weird seeing teachers outside of school (laughs) oh yeah you 
You're like a person. A dog walk up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I want to get into roll call, and I want to get into roll call because we have to talk about our boy. But before we do that, of course, let's talk about a different boy, uh, Adam. Adam was the kind of new student who was Did like they the give heckler. Him a name? They didn't give him a name, but he's listed as Adam. Okay, um, on IMDb because they used him. Uh, in a few scenes. That was my whole thing. I had to look him up because I was like, did I miss his name? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like the class heckler. This kid we've never seen. He has the, not JTT hair, the, what was Jonathan Taylor Thomas's older brother's name on the show? Oh, you, uh, whew. Brian, Brad, or something like that? Brad was his name on the show, and okay. I think Brian was his name in real life. Okay, to me, he had more of like a like a like a young Scott Wolf vibe. I didn't. He wasn't blonde, was he? I thought he was blonde. Uh, I, I mean, but again, like that's a... <laughs> guys. It's debatable. But yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, we could easily do this research, but we're not. But I, <laughs> honestly, I think he just had three different scenes with one-liners. Exactly, yeah. and I was just surprised. It was like we got a whole new character and. What's this all about? But Sure. I mean, we're also not going to have Topanga or Sean be hecklers, because Sean was being very supportive. Well, Sean had his own stuff going on in this Um, Actually, so I thought it was really interesting, because before we get our surprise visit, I was wondering, I was like, Sean is like being there for Corey, and he's like, it's not that bad, and Alan is... (laughs) Alan's not making the greatest impression. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And... Sean is being supportive in there, and like even when Alan like feels like he's uh, kind of bombing, Corey and Sean are like, "You're doing great," yeah, you know. Yeah. So I was like, "All right, so where's Sean's dad? Are we not going to explain this?" Well, I think Sean, I think he appreciates Alan so much more than Corey sometimes. Oh, absolutely, because he understands. But now we know why. Yeah, we all know why. Now. Exactly. Yeah. So before we get to that, I just want to hit on Jebediah because Jebediah comes in. And he knocks it out of the park. Well, he... Okay, so here's the thing about Jebediah. Is he (laughs) humble or is he humble brag? I feel like he was humble because he never mentioned it. Topanga was the one who was like, tell them who called. And then he said, oh, Bruce. And then Mr. Turner was like, Springsteen? And he was... And Topanga, again, was like, yes, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So you're right that like Jebediah was being... That wasn't what I was talking about. It oh. was when the the one line kid was yeah. like Adam. Uh, uh, <laughs> Do you do uh other rock stars? And he's like, most of them. Yeah. But again Most of could, them if, if he was humble bragging, he would have been like, Oh yeah, you know, like Sting and like like he could have like named names. Yeah, he yeah, never yeah. named names. Jebediah did keep it low key. But he also knows he's a badass. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, even when Alan's like, oh yeah, he makes them, but can he play them? Alan <laughs> throwing that haterade hard. And then Jebediah's just like, yo, by the way, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <just Yeah>. like, <laughs> Which, you know, to, to give credit, we've kind of mentioned this before, that is played, at least at this point in the show, by Peter Tork, formerly the guitarist of The Monkees. Yeah. Um, which The Monkees, not known to be uh, musicians, but he, he still knew how to play, uh, clearly enough to strum what I can only assume was just, like, the most uncopyrighted, <laughs> like, a series of chords that they could string together. Most likely. But again, I think it's fun because we do, we get to see, we get to see Topanga and her family dynamic in a very way. Because they're always, like, they were always made to be, like, hippies. Sure, or like sure. Like, and we get to see that Jebediah is someone who's, like, down to earth and... Yeah. And humble. You get to see Topanga's origins. What was the episode where they were kind of, like... I don't know, kind of speaking down on Jebediah as a kind of a granola... I forgot what... It, I mean, there's yeah. several times that when Several they times. So, it's really interesting that in this episode, he's the cool guy. Exactly. Well, I think it, it goes to show that, especially with Corey... I think Corey's constantly being uh, surprised at, like, how the world really works. You know yeah. what I mean? Because he goes in with this expectation of Corey, at least when he was younger, he's like, I'm the cool kid. And my dad's got it going on. And, like, how hard is it to get Christmas presents and yada, yada, yada. And this season, he's very, very much like, a, wait, maybe my life isn't as glamorous as I thought it was. 
and even when um, Alan shows up, he's like, I'm the son of a grocer. Honestly, I think you're giving Corey too much credit. I didn't think he had any expectations going in from the beginning. I think that finding out that, like, Topanga's dad had such a, like, awesome job definitely made it harder. But I think he knew what he was expecting because the episode starts with Alan just being like, all right, guess how much rice we have. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I have to say, when Alan came into the class and he's, like, talking about, like, the rice, I was like, Here's the thing, running a grocery store, there are so many ways you can, that is a big responsibility. Totally. I mean, you're right, it's like, oh, we have 27 things of rice. That is, why would you pick that up? He, I, and, and honestly, I'm sure we'll kind of go into Alan's storyline a little bit, because I, I think this touches on a much bigger issue of him being unsatisfied with his career choices. Completely. And because he doesn't really take pride in what he does, he has a hard time speaking on it with Selling pride. it. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Because he doesn't believe in it himself. And, I, you know, they touch on it a little bit here, but it's definitely something that's just reoccurring. So that leads us to, because I want to make a point about Alan's job, but in order to do so, I have to bring in... Someone who I just have to say I was not prepared for. I, the most lovable deadbeat dad of all I time. I did not know we were getting him this episode just because I, I yeah. didn't like read ahead. And he turns that corner and I'm like, I literally scream, Chat! Oh my God! It's like, it's like you lovable fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and he is charming right out the gate. Charming right out the gate, but also right off the gate, if you're an adult, you immediately get. Oh, this is everything I needed to know about this person. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a great line where he first comes in and Corey says to Sean, "Like, oh, what, what does, does your, your dad, dad do? do?" And Sean's like, "Shut I up, I want to know too. Yeah. Like, Shut <laughs> up, I want to find out." And exactly, that was for me. That was definitely a moment where it's like, "All right, that lets you know everything you need to know sure. about Chet." And first of all, Chet comes in and he's like, "Sorry, I was out in the hallway smoking." Don't endorse it. But also... <laughs> oh, okay. Because I actually... You know what? I didn't catch that. And so when he came in, he was like, you know, um, Jebediah spoke of this. Alan spoke of this. I was like, Chet, you weren't here. How do you know what they talked about? But I guess he was in the... He was in the hallway oh, smoking. And yeah. he, again, it, it lets you know what you need to know about Chet. And again, he's just... As someone who grew up around um, sweet talkers... Yeah. And snake oil salesman and like that i immediately was like oh you know it's like uh he comes in and he's this big personality and he's lovable and he knows what to say to the kids and they're all he's not saying anything like like, what do you do and he's he's an idea man it's bullshit bullshit (laughs) bullshit uh he's like do you like microwaves you're You're welcome welcome. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like no it was a fun little like Ted Turner joke in there where he was like, uh, "Yes, I, oh, I, I came up with the old news network all the time." And Topanga, also known as Tippy, we find out. Yeah, Tippy. Tippy <laughs> says, "You invented CNN." He was like, "Oh, I mentioned it to a to a guy in the elevator." By the way, what's your last name? Turner. No, no relation. relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just a little a nineties bit. A exactly. 90s bit. But it's also the moment he's. In this, he comes in and he's this way and he's talking. You get to see, and then you see, what I saw was Sean being like, a, oh, just more lies. You know, no no answers. Well, Corey's like, says something about like, oh. Your dad is like, yeah, really he, something. And, yeah, and Sean's like, yeah, he's something, all right. All exactly. Right, yeah. And um, what's interesting is that seeing Chet's large personality, I began to realize how kind of quiet and shy Sean actually is. You know, we always see him so um, full of ideas and energy, like coming to Corey, getting super excited about something or another. But I think the reason we see that is because he's comfortable with Corey. In general, he's not a very um, loud person. And to see uh, Chet there, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm really getting an idea of this dynamic and why. Sean is the way he is. What's great is that you pointed that out because so did I made that note. One of my notes was that Chet actually does explain Sean in a lot of ways. The only thing that doesn't kind of make sense with Chet, but would if when you realize who Chet is, is Chet has this thick southern accent. And you're like, but they live in Philadelphia. 
and Sean doesn't have any remnants of it, but the fact that Chet's not there. I don't think that Sean is born in Philadelphia. I think that's something that we find out. I think he's either born in like either Indiana or Texas. Um, All I'm saying is that it shows his relationship. I mean, like, of course, this is most likely just a casting thing, but it shows his relationship with his father, the fact that he doesn't have the same accent and candor of his father his father because his father's never around knows nothing about his life yes goes up to Corey (laughs) and he's like hi sean's friend and i'm like your kid spends every second of the day with this kid he's constantly over at his house you don't even know his name and for the to be fair for a long time i realized this episode we mostly hear about sean's mom Oh, because yeah. like Verna, when, yeah. I don't even think we get her name in this episode. No, we do. He says Verna. Oh, okay, okay. He says, uh, "My heart's out there with Verna" or something like yeah. that. Um, but what I'm saying is, even the first two seasons, which is what we've done, most of the time when we talk about Sean's family, we're talking about his mother. Yeah. Uh, they mention his dad every once in a while, and you and I always get excited because we love Chet. Yeah. But they mostly refer to Sean's mom. Sure. So. Sean's mom is the the constant in his life. And Chad's the one who comes and, and goes. And you would think that, one, Sean would be more upset about his mom leaving, which he doesn't seem that upset about her leaving at all. There, Everyone's reaction is just like, oh, she does this all the time. I completely disagree. And, and I just thought that was so weird. Like, because Corey says to, to Alan, he's like, uh, Sean's mom took off. She's done this before, right? And I, I just thought he had a very flippant attitude about Sean's mom li- mom's leaving. That's all. Uh, I agree that uh, Alan was kind of flippant about it, but I disagree that Sean doesn't care. Sean is completely torn up about his mother leaving. Yeah. You see it in his eyes the moment he finds out. Um, I think, A, it's a testament to Ryder Strong's acting that it's very subtle. Sure. And then, B, it's very much like a teenager's reaction to I just by the way Chet comes to school in the middle of the day and just kind of mentions it casually yeah that's all it was literally like being hit by a bus I'm watching this happen he's like oh yeah by the way did, no he goes did you say uh goodbye to your mother this morning you kiss your mom goodbye, goodbye this morning have yeah to may have to last you for a while she's gone Wait, what? Like, what a way to tell your that? kid that your mom abandoned him. You didn't sit him down privately. No. You didn't explain anything. All you said was, hey, you know that last time you saw your mother? Yeah, it may need to last you for a while because she's gone and she took the house with her. <laughs> That's the problem about with the mobile home. It can, you know, go places. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's no denying that Chet's not hilarious and um, fun to be around, but it's definitely one of those... He's one of those personalities that you love as a stranger, but even as a stranger, you're like, I don't want to be related to this man. Yeah, and also, too, it's just like this... Um, I, I really wish we would have had a moment where, um, like, like you said, like he kind of takes Sean to the side because I feel like the entire reason why we don't really see Sean react is because he's trying to look in front of Corey like it doesn't matter. Like, whatever, whatever, it's all cool, whatever, I don't care, I don't care. I, you're right. No, he no, that was, that was my thing. It's just like he is keeping up things so well. He's just like, oh, yeah. Like, even when Corey's kind of like, hey, you know you could have stayed here last night. He's trying to downplay it, and he's just like, oh, look, everything will be fine. My dad will find my mom, and they'll come back. And he's kind of downplaying his panic, even though you know that these are concerns. And what's even crazier is they're grounded concerns. They're very realistic options. Now, we talk about Chet being really lovable, but he's equally, if not more so, a bad parent. Oh, first terrible and parent. Not only does he constantly make terrible decisions involving Sean, but he never gives Sean, like, never ask him, like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you want to do? Which, which Turner points out. Yeah, later in the episode, which is like, thank God someone's asking Sean to figure out, like, what he's, his, his voice is in all of this. Because, exactly. Like, everything is being just brushed over him by Chet as like, oh, it's not a big deal. He's fine. He's a good boy. 
Well, I mean, like, when Chet comes in, he's like, would you calm down? I'm the principal of this school. Yeah. I'm I'm Mr. Feeney. And, he's, and the viewer's like, no, that's Mr. Feeney. And then... Um, I will say, when Sean comes up and he's like, Mr. Feeney, and Chet answers, he's like, yeah? I was like, good on you, boy. He, he Chet's like, there's two Feenies in this <laughs> yeah, school? Exactly. I was like, you know what? This is why you're successful at what you do. Yep. Because you believe it. Like, you don't, but you like you act like you believe it. If I'm not, why am I parked in this spot? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a great thing. But it also shows like the kind of responsibility Sean has to have for his father. Because, like, he yeah. comes in and he sees the situation. And he's just like, hey, Mr. Feeney, this is my dad. Like, like I'm claiming ownership. But what I love about that is the moment that Mr. Feeney finds out that it's his dad, he goes, oh, we're actually really proud of Mr. Hunter. Yeah. And Chet's like, I'm surprised to hear you say that. And Mr. Feeney's like, I am too. But I think that I am too was that, I'm surprised I genuinely meant it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. was a knee-jerk reaction from Feeney to say that. It's like, he hasn't met Chet yet, and I guarantee you it's something where it's like, he didn't know it, but there was a part of him that wanted to tell Sean's parents, actually, I really think your, to- your child has a lot of potential, and he's constantly surprising me, but he's never had a parent-teacher conference with sure. him. So the moment Chet shows up, he's just like, oh, I've... It's like that thing. It's like, I've been waiting to tell you. Your kid's yeah. kind of great, but <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting that Feeney was kind of as soon as Sean was like, "Hey, this is my dad." Feeney kind of understood a little bit more of just like this isn't just some crazy man here. This is a troubled young man's father. I understand what's happening here. Yeah, um, and was immediately able to pick up those social. Cues. Well, even like he lets him be. Like, he yeah, just, you know, he very easily could have like escorted or been like, "Hey, your father's not supposed to be here," but Feeney's like. Oh, I get what's going on here. This man is a wild card in itself. It's probably already overwhelming to Sean. Yeah. You know, it, this man's not a danger to the kids. We'll let it play out. Sure, um, sure. And, yeah, so that was that was definitely... I just think... Just the moment he made the announcement, I was like, I was not expecting any of this. But Chet comes in like a tornado. He comes in like a tornado, and like a tornado, he is just pure destruction fascinating to watch yeah but like the path is devastating i think i mentioned this once before that the boy meets world set where they were filming was very close to the home improvement set okay um and the kids i believe actually tutored together and things like that um but because of that you'll see a lot of crossover so for example amy played jill's friend on home improvement Uh and chet played uh Tim's friend on Home Improvement. So uh-huh. um, he actually, I believe, was on Home Improvement first. And I think Sean was actually on an early episode of Home Improvement as well. So yeah. I just think there was a lot of uh, interesting crossover there. Mostly, be- I wonder if Chet got the job because of location. Is what I'm I wondering. mean, that's very possible. I remember, uh, and I never thought about it up until right now, but a lot of the TGIF had casting crossover. Totally. And I'm pretty sure it was. Like, you're all in the same lot. It's like, you know who was really good at this character? Sure. You know? Yeah, it's probably even the same casting agent. I imagine. <laughs> they find kids they like, and they just keep finding... Exactly. I mean, because yeah. we seriously... There are certain characters where it's like they were on every single one of these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably in the same year. 100%. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Chet... Now, Chet makes an interesting decision, which is a decision that lasts all of next season. Uh-huh. And it's a decision that puts Sean on the path of just insecurity for the rest of his life. When he says, hey, I'm going to go look for your mom. This woman who wanted to get away from me, who literally is running away from me, I'm going to go find her instead of being a parent to you. Exactly. And that's the thing that's the the major thing that makes Chet a piece of shit. Well, so it's crazy because when we, when I saw this and I saw the whole I'm going to go look for your mama thing, I was like, oh, he wants to maintain his vagabond lifestyle. He wants to maintain his mover and shaker rolling stone-ness because he says that he's looking for Verna but we don't know that he has a kid out there with someone else. 
Yeah. So my immediately thought, even when he his excuse later on is like, the road's no place for a kid. It's like a, no, that kid would slow you down. I mean, not saying that the road is a place for a kid, See? but I was just going to say in the, in the show Supernatural, for example, he takes his kids with him. It's yeah. like a, he doesn't leave them at their aunts and it's just like, I'll be back. I need to go find. A, he was like, no, these are my kids. I love them. We need to figure stuff out, but, like, they're coming with me. Matter of fact, there are several shows that are about parents being like, hey, we need to go across the country, but the kids are coming with us. Chet was like, you're going to slow me down. I I probably have things that you don't know about and deals that you don't need to see, so I'm going to leave you someplace and just check in on you. See, I I disagree with that, but I agree with the the, the emotion of it, that... He doesn't want Sean with him, but I don't think it's because he thinks he's going to slow him down. I think that Chet truly believes in his heart that he is a bad father. He does not believe that he could take care of a kid, which is why he is not a father of the Jack, who we don't even know about. And which is why he continuously tells Alan, who he just met, you're a good father. You could do this. I'm not that guy. I will say that the moment, like, Sean, not Sean, Corey was really down on Alan. And again, we didn't really get into Alan's presentation but it was, I have to admit. Oh. Anyone else want a coupon? This one's for liquid soap. <laughs> I will say that. Like, I was watching it, and they were like, Alan's going to be here. And they said the whole rice thing. And I was like, that's probably not going to be that bad. And then Alan presented, and I was like, oh, Cancel oh boy. Cancel our friends. And then later on, when he's doing the coupon thing, I was like, Alan, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say, it was embarrassing. We didn't even get, like, the whole 45-minute yeah. presentation or whatever. But right off the bat, he goes up to Corey and he's like, hey, your father, salt of the earth, good man. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, uh, and what they do with that and what I wanted to say about Alan not being satisfied with his job is, as you said, Chet goes, this man, you got one man who's a musician and another man who feeds America. And, you know, he's like, again, because Chet's a salesman, yeah. he's already painted this romantic story of what Alan does sure. and showed the value of Alan's job. And it's like, if Alan could just think of his job the way that Chet is able to sell his job, he would understand the value. Well, I think also Chet just sees something in Alan that he doesn't see in himself, which is this... Like, Chet, I imagine, cannot stay at one job for more than a few months without getting bored. He can't build a career. Exactly. And so when he, he sees that Alan has had the same job for 20 years or whatever, he's like, that's salt of the earth. This guy is, like, feeding America. He's speaking highly of him because he's like, this guy was able to commit to an idea he was able to get a home. He was able to, to nurture his family in a way that I can't. And he was I able admire. to grow up. Yeah, he really was. He and was able to grow up. And I think that that's, I mean, I love that we get this little piece of Alan's insecurity, which we've gotten before, but it's just, it's very relative at this point because you see Alan even kind of struggling with, I'm, I have this boring job, it's safe and blah, blah, blah. And Amy's kind of like, no, but you do so much more than that. Um, you're a provider. You are living up to your responsibilities. And it's kind of brushed off when she says it, but when Chet puts it, I don't feel like it still hits has the same weight to Alan, but it's just the the show is saying and the audience understands how valuable it is to have someone like Alan. Sure. And you know what? There's a there's a moment when he's telling Amy that, you know, he's not really really proud of what he's doing and um you know and i don't know if it's talked about so much in this episode but it's something we definitely learn um alan didn't grow up with a lot of money yeah we know that. um you know we later find out that his dad quote unquote died with a broom in his hand yeah um and so alan worked incredibly hard to get the home and the lifestyle for his kids and i just don't think like i think he understands that his kids don't appreciate it, but they can't appreciate it because he was so good at doing what he set out to do. Exactly. I mean, and that's that's from what I'm hearing. That's being a parent. <laughs> it's just yeah, like a, totally. your kids literally won't know the sacrifices you've made if you do it the right way. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like a burden in itself. And I just keep going back to. I mean, it's really always unfortunate that we don't get to see more of it, but I always think of that pivotal Boy Meets World episode where Amy goes back to school. Sure. And we get to really get some more depth in Amy. Yeah. 
And that's what I think. It's just like a, no, they're making all these sacrifices. Your parents make sacrifices to bring you up in a world to where you don't understand the pain and trauma that they went through. But by doing so, uh, it's kind of like, it kind of, they raise people who are just, they can't be appreciative of. of Or they raise people who have a normal established for them that is so much higher than the normal you established for yourself. And that, but that, that normal being so high means that whenever you fall short of being the, the a one parent that is literally taking all of your effort and you become human for a second, especially for children, it's just not enough. And you, you lash out and you're angry. And because um, Corey, at least during the, uh, the initial presentation, he is so embarrassed of his dad. He is just squirming in his chair. And obviously, like, all kids are kind of embarrassed of their parents in a way. But the pride that Topanga had for her dad, it, yeah. it was just not even a, a smidgen of that in Corey. But I also think it's one of, it shows, it's kind of like, um, you're, we're constantly getting to see it through someone else's eyes. Because as much as Corey's squirming, Sean is the one who's like, look, your dad was not that bad. Yeah. And I think he says that because he knows in the back of his head who Chet is. And then when Chet shows up, you get to see why Sean prefers the Matthews. Why, you know, it's just yeah, like, a, totally. yeah, for him, that's, that's a normalcy or a consistency that he just doesn't get anywhere else. It um, also reminds me of, um, I was just going to say, it reminds me of, uh, I watched this green prism uh, YouTube video on Sally Draper talked about Sally Draper and Don Draper and you know everyone else got to see Don Draper they were so busy like idolizing him that we don't really get to see it through Sally's eyes until she gets older and we realize how much trauma this girl is going through seeing her parents but there's that episode where Don tells uh, his kids where he grew up and he's like this is where I grew up and it kind of puts some frame of reference into oh you are, like, I don't know that much about you sure, yeah. as a person. And I think, you know, totally. it, that was just, it just mirrored to me a lot about, like, that learning about your parents. Your parents are people, too, and they have hopes and dreams. And, and they also have a story. Like, they started somewhere and ended up somewhere. So, like, finding that out is is really, I think, important to find out who you are in a lot of exactly. ways. Exactly. So. And as you were saying, a lot of what, what we see in Chet will come to define Sean. Yeah. This this episode is actually, it's crazy because this episode is more important than any other episode in the terms of well, Sean's character. And it's really interesting because we have that scene where, you know, Turner's on his date and Sean just kind of shows up. And why is Sean having this moment with Turner instead of Corey? Why didn't, why is he not at the Matthews being like, Hey, can I have dinner here tonight or whatever? Well, I think, and and I think the reason is, is cause one, I think he feels like he's, he constantly depends on the Matthews and he feels like I can't ask anything more of them. And I also feel like there's a relationship that he has with Alan and Amy. That's respectable. But those are still Corey's parents. Yes. Whereas with Jonathan, he has undivided attention. And I think that's something that Sean wants more than anything. It's just attention. Well, I was going to say that it's not just attention. Which Attention is great. And I think that you, what you said about the Matthews is also very accurate. Um, I think for Sean... A, because I, I, I was wondering, I was like, did he, why did he show up at Mr. Turner's place? But they kind of point out that... Uh, the motel that he's staying at is right down the road. So there, it's one of those things where it's like he's he's alone and he's in this area. And in a really real way, he talks about like, oh, he's okay at being at that motel. But I honestly think he just didn't feel safe. A hundred percent. You know, it's like he didn't feel safe and he wanted some kind of authority figure. And I think the thing about Jonathan is he has shown to be an authority figure who pays attention, um, which goes back to what you were saying, but it's like he 
he not only is like providing attention to them, but it's like he pays attention. Yeah. Uh, and values and cares and cares. Like Obviously the mere cares. fact that he asks when Chet shows up, he's like, "Hey, have you asked yeah. Sean what he wants?" I think that that's something that shows why Sean showed up in the first place. Now, it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, when Sean's saying that he's staying at this hotel, Turner kind of freaks out. He's like, that hotel down the street? Which, by the way, kind of shows you a little bit about where Turner's living. But, yeah, I mean, but we've already known that. Like, I again, I think it's great that they do this. But they constantly are like, by the way, these teachers make nothing. Yeah. It's like, it's just a, it's a constantly being said, hey, by the way, this teacher is not like living it up in some um, great loft. He is in this one bedroom apartment um, per Sean's whole location of the motel. It's not in the greatest of areas, yeah. you know? And he- it's, it's also interesting too, because, um, you know, Turner's like, you know, you can't live in a hotel, but just coming from someone who's lived in Central Florida <laughs> his whole life, kids legit live in, hotel. live in hotels. They just made a movie about it. <laughs> so Actually, I completely forgot about this. Uh, the first few months I lived in Florida, I lived in a hotel. Well, was it just like you moved there and you were looking or was it well, just... Well, we moved there and my mom had like, it was, when we moved there, it's like we had moved there and my mom had just gotten a job. Like, yeah. I think we had landed in Florida. She was very fortunate. She got the job the day that we landed. Wow. But like, she didn't have a paycheck yet. Yeah. She didn't have like a mailing address yet. So... Sure. We lived in a hotel um, and... Yeah, went to school from a hotel and, like, all this other stuff. Yeah, because I was going to say, at least driving around the part of Florida that I was in, it was not uncommon at all to see school buses stop in at a hotel. At hotels. Or a motel, motel, yeah, yeah, really. Like, because it's, like, not, a, not, like... Not, yeah, this isn't a Holiday Inn. <laughs> no, these, these, are, these are places where, you know, you were just, like, you wouldn't think to stay there on vacation. Why, exactly. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's... I think it's one of those things where it's like going back to it, it's like a you shouldn't have to or like no kid should have to live out of a hotel, um, you know, unless they're traveling with their family to play music across the country. Yeah. But um, outside of that, every kid wants to or would like to have like something stable to call home. And from this episode, we get Sean's trajectory and we we kind of understand that this is... Things are about to get real in a way that I just again I just wasn't prepared for. Yeah, and um, I just one other thing I wanted to mention about him visiting Turner was um, Turner offered him food. Yeah, and that Sean inhales this food, and it's one of those things where I just kind of went, oh, like like no. he hasn't eaten. Like this kid got dropped off by his dad at a shit hotel where he had to get clean sheets through a guy from a cage. And uh, pay him, yeah, to pay have him a... five dollars to turn the TV on. And he's freaking out. He finally gets to this guy place where he feels safe. And he gets to eat a meal for the first time since who knows. And again, all the while trying to keep up pretenses. And yeah. that's another thing. It's like, as an adult, I know how stressful and exhausting it is to like keep up appearances as a, an adult. As a kid who has all these other things. But then he also, again, his best friend has this... Three bedroom, two car garage type home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't want to lean on them again. He wants he wants more than anything for life to just be as normal as it can be. So he goes somewhere where he knows it won't get out that yeah. he had to stay at this hotel. And what's even crazier is they do that whole thing where it's like you see Turner cleaning up and immediately you're like, Sean's sleep. But and you like, know what? I thought it was believable that he fell yes, asleep. Yes, absolutely. He, because again, his mind was finally at rest. Yeah. He had a place where he, he felt, felt safe. safe. That's yeah, a big part. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, we get to this part where, you know... Uh, Let's talk about Feeney and Mr. Turner. Yeah, Feeney and Turner are talking and Feeney really warns Turner that, like, you know, you have to... You're you're playing with a, a line here between authoritative and friend, between teacher and student, um, kind of circling back to their original dynamic, but also making way for a next level of that 
next season when Sean and Turner are living together full time and Feeney having a new reason to be suspicious of this teacher's approach towards um, towards Sean and the rest of the students. Well, I mean, it is one of those things to where it's you do realize like you can't save every student. So the idea that he is doing this or that he cares this much about Sean it's one of those things to where I think about the show Grey's Anatomy. And in the first season of Grey's Anatomy, the character Izzy is like really attached to her patients. And they're always like, that's not a good thing. You need to have some sort yeah. of detachment. And as a viewer, you're always like, why is it a bad thing to care about someone? You're like, no, because of your position, it is. It's it's not a good thing. You can't be this involved. Yeah. Uh, with your students or with your patients and the fact that Turner does want to kind of swoop in and like be involved even when um, he even says to Feeney though like what would you have me do George like this kid got you came to my my place he was hungry he was dirty he was going to drop them off at this hotel again like what what better option did he have I think he understood that like he was making what he felt was the best decision possible for the for Sean and I think Feeney recognized that too but just with the warning well, the whole idea is Turner did the right thing that night. But when Alan's like, hey, Sean, your dad's here. And Mr. Turner's like, oh, hey, can I speak to him for a minute? Because I have some things I want to say. That's when Feeney's like, remember, a very, like, you got to toe that line. Did he ever even say anything to Chet, though? Yeah, he did. Remember, he's the one, again, when Chet goes and he's like, um, yeah, but did he? Other than that, did he actually like? Well, I think I think that he was blindsided by what was said because we got to talk about what was said. All right, so Chet drops a bomb. Yeah, basically saying, "Hey, Amy and Alan, those are your names, right?" Wait, 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 wait. What he says is, "Adam, I've always considered you a friend." And yeah. he goes, um, "My name's Alan." <laughs> it's I've always considered you a friend. Hey, can you watch my kid indefinitely while I go chase this woman who doesn't want to be with me? It'll only be like a few days, a couple of weeks, tops. And first of all, whenever it goes from a few days to, to a couple, couple of weeks, weeks, a few immediately. days to a, a week is yeah, the next yeah, progression. Yeah, yeah. A few days, a week max is how that should go. A few days, a couple of weeks, tops, you're like, oh, this is... A couple of weeks can be two weeks or 16 weeks. Exactly, but you. Um, point is... You see, as an adult, I don't know if I picked this up as a kid, but as an adult, you immediately understand Chet's way of, like, sweet-talking in. Again, he asked them in front of Sean. And, and Corey. And Corey and Turner. Yeah. And kind of be like, again, no pressure, but... but uh, no, I need the answer right now, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No pressure, but um, my kid kind of needs a place to say... And uh, he's best friends with your kid. And again, no pressure. But you know what? But, I, uh, I do think it was a lot more of, I know that I trust you to be a good father. I'm, I'm not saying that that's yeah. not true. I'm saying it's manipulative. Yeah, oh, it's, 100%. It, here's the thing. He could have went and been like, hey, I need to go Hold Alan aside yeah. privately. Alan and Amy. Give I, them the option to say no. Exactly. But he doesn't do that. No. He specifically puts them in a position where they have to say yes, even if they didn't want to, because you're not going to tell Sean. You're, you're, first of all, you're not going to tell your kid that their best friend can't stand In it. all fairness, though, I think if Corey had came to both of them and said the same thing, they would have said yes. No, to again, him. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have. I'm but saying that the way he, he left it. them no choice. 100%. If there's nothing wrong with the situation. It's how Chet went about it. He also at one point like, you know, I can send you some money or whatever. And Alan's like, don't bother. We have coupons. He's like, all the better. <laughs> all the better. I don't have to do anything he to He said I could throw into kid. the till... As, but what's crazy is you should be like, hey, you're doing me a huge favor. I'll make sure that he never adds to your expenses, blah, 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 blah. What Chet says is, hey, I could throw in a few bucks every now and again for you raising my kid. Sure. And Alan, because he knows it's a false offer, he's just like, don't even bother. Don't even worry about it. And Chet's like, good on you. Yeah. And. Again, it, it's this dance that, as adults, you get. Yeah, you know totally. so well. Um, and I think Sean knows so well. 
But the thing is, Corey doesn't. And he's like, "Oh, we get to room together. This will be and great." And Sean's like, "Well, we'll see yeah. about that." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's always great to live with your best friend. That's well, never not no, worked out. <laughs> I, I think for him, it's it's not even that. It's oh yeah, it's so great to not have a home, like a place that's my home. Well, no, I I mean I think I think that's it. But I honestly think it's a situation. Think about it. If you and I right now had to move in together and be roommates. It's like, I've known you. We're cool, but it's like... But also in one room. Exactly. And it's not just him and... It's his brother, too. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, a, he's like, oh, this will... Sean's like... Not Sean. Corey's like, this will be great. And Sean's like, you're looking at it as in, oh, my friend gets to sleep over. I'm looking at it as I now am a guest in someone else's house with someone else's rules and someone else's lifestyle and i have no autonomy yeah i have i i and because i have to behave like i'm a guest exactly the (laughs) entire time um yeah it was interesting because chet's like oh let's go pack your stuff oh wait your mom took everything which by the way let's get back to verna there for a second (laughs) regardless of her reasoning for leaving chet her taking the home is her she shouldn't be allowed to, to, to be with Sean anymore. Like, that 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 mother should not have... So, as someone who does not have kids, I have learned to not judge. She on... took her kids get, home wait, wait, wait. in his I'm clothes. I'm not disagreeing on that. What I am saying is, we don't really get a lot of Verna's story. And because of that, I am hesitant to say anything because I don't know. But I will say, you're not wrong. I feel that you also don't just get up and decide to take the house one day. So if she got up and she took a trailer, and I don't know if you know much about trailers, but trailers aren't just parked. Those yeah. things like so if she got and took the entire trailer and left, I'm assuming girly had some reasons. Yeah, I I just can't think of a reason that would be good enough to take your kids clothing and shelter away um but maybe she also took um his sister with him because <laughs> oh john's sister yeah exactly like he had a sister up until this point so maybe that's the she took one kid and she was like i'll take the girl and you keep the boy and that's how she she thought about I just, it yeah it's just it's just hard to understand either of his parents actions and i think you know what i don't know how unrealistic it is but to me, it really was, even as a kid, I remember watching this episode and thinking, well, why does why is he doing it this way? Yeah, well, like, I think, to me, I think it is a realistic thing of deadbeat parents. Um, yeah. It's, it's, but also not only of deadbeat parents, because that is saying a lot, but I have to also think about it. There are plenty of times where, as an adult, you kind of selfishly think, I have to take care of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, And when you have children, that changes. And I think everyone would hope that you put your kids first. But some people don't have that capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially someone like Chet, who has kind of been given the freedom to think about himself for most of his life, which you can tell. Yeah. I think the idea of putting Sean first just didn't really it just wasn't an option for him you know what i mean and i think for him putting sean first was leaving him somewhere safe i i I do agree with that i do think that chet understood that he did not have the capacity to take care of sean and put him in an environment that he felt that would be the best for him um there's just a lot of just ignoring sean's agency and but i also think it comes back to a place of chet is this happy-go-lucky, ray of sunshine type person, which we know is, like, full of shit and, like, uh, I don't want to say a con artist, but, like, a swindler type person. And I think it's one of those things where I've seen a lot of uh, male adults do this with their kids where, like, they don't want to change their perception of their kid, you know, or, sorry, of them to their kids, so they're like, he's like, oh, I don't want him to see me at my weakest. I don't want him to see me when I'm angry. So I'm going to leave him here, and you're like, but your kid already knows that this 
is a facade. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, again, the reason why I, I kind of bring up his reasoning in all of this is because, like I said, he's gone the entire third season. Yeah. So, like, it's 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 one of those things to where maybe he thought he was making a good decision at some point, but at some point he just decided not to come back. Oh, yeah. And, again, it was a decision to not come back. Yeah. And I think, like I said, this is this episode took me by surprise because it was just like, whoa, I, I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting Chet, and I wasn't expecting everything that came with Chet. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. So before we end, I do want to mention we get a B plot that I was a little concerned about. About Eric and Jason? Eric is clearly literally struggling. Like Well, no, here's here's what I interpreted it as because I feel like this is something that uh Tony Tord actually does in the college episode too. Um just this idea that like tests make students crazy and like studying for the SATs, PSATs, whatever. It's just the studying of it, you're kind of loopy and all over the place. And I d I didn't think of him the way I thought of the boys last episode during the pop quiz where I'm like, how did they get to this grade? I was just like he is studying so much that he is he's stressing he's psyching himself out. But what I'm saying is this goes back to the idea of hit. Eric is showing clear signs that everything is not okay. Sure. And everyone just kind of ignores it. Even Feeney's like, oh, I hate SAT season. Yeah. And you're like, this kid is stressed to the limit. He's stressed out. He's running into things he's losing sensations in his body yeah because because he understands this and the pressure of being a student and no one at any point in time goes hey can i help you or do you sure. want to like take a moment and breathe it's just a test you Even get jason yeah. he's so cool as a cucumber the entire time and it's just like, ha, don't worry about it. He's fine. He just ran into a tree. He's fine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He just ran into a tree. Yeah. But, like, my whole thing was the difference with that was Jason was prepared. Yeah. You know, and because Jason was prepared, and Jason just kind of keeps showing that he's prepared yeah. for it, that's why he wasn't as anxious. But to me, it was a testament to what they talk about all the time, which is, like, the pressure we put on these kids. For Eric, this is so important that he's losing sensations in his body and, like, all this other stuff. And he... But it's not like he's doing all this without um, reason or, like, what I mean by that is... I can't think of the right words. But he does study. He does come around yeah. and eventually learn all these things. But then he finds out there's another part to the test. And just it's like, oh, again, the pressure that is this test is not great and i don't think it's healthy and i think that what's even worse is that he doesn't seem to get any help from anyone else yeah and well i think also i think the reason why jason felt so cool like you said he was prepared but i think this is to illustrate that eric is not where the rest of his students are eric is a little bit behind so when eric actually does get left back well by the way didn't know that was coming. You just ruined it for oh, me. Oh, so no, now, did I? Not only do you have to put something uh, in the jar. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you knew. He got no, left back. No, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I think you keep saying it, but, like, I didn't know that was coming next. So, um, but, yeah, no, no. Uh, it's something to where I didn't know that, so I'm a little upset. I'm so but sorry. Either way. I, I thought you knew. Either way. Um, no, I think you're right. It, it kind of shows that Eric's not on the same length or wavelength as everyone else uh and that's upsetting but i still just think that it's also a commentary just on our society we have like this entire thing where we put all this pressure on kids to like live up to these standards and there's just no help or like even care sure. from the parents because to be fair they're kind of dealing with something bigger with uh sean but that only comes to later yeah for sure Sure. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this episode? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we talked about a good chunk yeah, of it. Yeah, I think yeah. We, we did it. Oh, a really <laughs> good analysis. We talk about Chet. I know. Lot. Chet's just such a character. Well, I'm, Chet I'm, is like such a great character to watch, but he comes with a lot of baggage 100%. that, again, I just I did not see coming. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, what grade are you giving this episode? Is it grade then lesson? Um, why not? It's our okay, podcast. Okay, all right, all right. Well, you know what? I'm going to give this episode a B plus. 
All right, cool. Yeah. I thought it was a solid episode. I thought that we had a lot of interesting character development. I thought that there's an episode, there's a scene at the end with Corey and Alan where Corey's just basically like, you know, thanks for giving the, the speech. And also like you kind of left out like the important stuff, the stuff you do around the house. And which, by the way, is not the first time Corey's told this to Alan. We exactly. heard this in first season too. But just, I felt like that was just a good, um, you know, time. He's like, you took care of my friend. And like, yeah. that means a lot to me. Yeah. And so because of that, I'm, I'm proud to be your son. Yeah. And so I think that that was just um, a good, just like bow onto an episode that was very well thought out and well written. Obviously some of the Eric stuff was kind of silly, but I thought overall it was a very good episode. I'm not the son of a grocer. I'm the son of my father. And yeah. again, it's like a, that's one of those boy meets world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like, you need to put that in there. But yeah, we feel you I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing. I think this was a definitely a B plus episode. Yeah. Um, and I'm just surprised by it. So I guess from that, we can go into lessons. Um, what was your Feeney taught me? Feeney taught me, I think, is... Um, don't abandon your kids. <laughs> I know. I don't know if that was said at any point, but I just felt like that was kind of a big don't abandon your children. I think that, like, so usually when I think about the feeding lesson, I think of, like, what the episode's trying to say, which I think yours, don't abandon your kid, is one. But I also think Feeny is a great resource for a lesson this episode, which is that there is this line, and you got to figure out how to tow that because I think what he says to Turner is is really important. I sure. mean, like we know the trajectory and we know that Sean's going to end up living with Turner, but in reality, I just go back to you can't save everyone. You can't be a superhero. So learning how to be a figurehead but not solve the problem um, yeah. is is a balance. Well, and also, I mean, if we're talking like traditional Feeney lesson – um, Alan is the one who has the big emotional arc in this episode. He's the one who actually learned something. So his like, it's you know, I may not be, I might not be doing what I want to in my career, but I can be amazing as soon as I get home. I think that's a, a lesson that the show is trying to drive home to. Okay, so uh, anything else? So are we on the homework? Homework, yeah. What you homework? Got? Go for it. All right. Well, um, do you have one? I have homework of you. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Right, so. Because we were talking about it earlier, at this point in time, the Ariana Grande um, Thank You Next video yes. has just come out. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it by now, you have to live under a rock because there's no way you missed it. But that made me go back and watch a few of the movies, and Legally Blonde is a fantastic movie. Can we have a real moment right now? I've yeah. never seen the movie. <gasps> Okay, so there's been plenty of but movies like, that I've told you that I've never seen, yeah. so I will allow that. But also, like, why would I have seen it? I'm Again, I'm not really going like, to... It wasn't marketed to me, and I, I can't... No, 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 here's the thing. I watched, like, looking at the, mo uh, the movies that Ariana Grande picked, I reminded myself, I was like... She had a gay older brother. <laughs> she does. She had a gay older brother. And because of that, I was like, that explains her interest in sure, all of sure, these. Sure. But um, no, definitely Legally Blonde, though, you have to watch. All right, yeah, it's, a, it's a su surprisingly feminine, like, it's a really good movie. She's almost always a consistent, uh, sorry, she's consistently positive. She's always helping people. She has supportive friends. Sure. Like, I just looked at this movie and it's like, I didn't even realize all the subtle things that they were saying about ways to be a modern woman that you just didn't really see very often. And, uh, yeah, the character Elle Woods is, is something worth watching and something worth sharing with your kids are any... Or your friends who've never seen it. Sure. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, you gotta watch it. It's free on YouTube, by the way. I I, so, I will give it a shot. It's, check it, it out. A, it is considered a classic. Um, one thing I want to throw out there, um, John Leguizamo has a new special on Netflix called Latin History for Morons. Um, and it's one of his traditional one-man shows that I don't know if you've ever seen um, on like HBO and like Spike Lee did, did some. Um, I, I think John Leguizamo is a fantastic 
performer. I love his one-man shows. He is, but I'm always reminded of, I think it was uh, Family Guy or American Idol. It's one of those Seth MacFarlane joints where they talk about the John Leguizamo one-man show. And it's just like, and I was all like, hey, Arthur. And he was like, hey, mommy. And it's just like, it's like this whole little thing. It's very true. He does a lot of character work. He does a lot of character work. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But what I really loved is that the whole special is basically about like his kid getting teased in school because, um, you know, they were talking about history or whatever, and a white kid told him that, you know, I come from the, I'm the descendants of, like, soldiers and heroes and all these things from history. What are you, Beater? Or something like that. To which John Luxamo freaked out, and then he was just like, he was like, no, people have done lots of things. And his son was like, what, though? And then John Luxamo was like, oh, shit, I need a school myself. And so he did all this research so that he could teach his son, like, to feel proud about his heritage. And he, you know, learned, like, he through the special talks about, you know, Latin people and what they've contributed to history and so many things. So like, we like basically ridiculous things funded absolutely everything that Europe has, says is everything that Europe. First of all, most of America yeah. is based on the fact that again, especially if you like, if you want to talk modern history, especially after World War, it was just like during the war we were like, hey, come here and do all the work that none of our uh, sure, men yeah. can do because they're all fighting this war that we shouldn't be involved in. And the moment they came out, they're like, oh yeah, you should go now. And we just constantly did that with Mexicans in particular, where we were like, oh hey, this was your land, but we're gonna claim it as ours now. No real law Dude, saying that it is. <laughs> we're in California. We're in exactly. basically what, what should was be Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, we just took it. We, we just like, took it. We just killed them and took it. Yeah, this, this is ours now. And they were like, um, I've kind of lived here forever. And they were like, well then, why are you in America? Because <laughs> Mexico's over there. Yeah. He's like, but you moved the fence. Yeah. And they were like, sounds to me like you're still on the opposite side. Like, I would be okay with building a wall, but if we made it what Mexico used to be. <laughs> and then I'll just be on this side of Mexico. That's You fine. know what? I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> Build the wall. The original wall. Yeah, the original I, wall. I have to say, um, this is nothing new if you've been listening to us, but the whole history of, like, whenever I see anything that's, like, keep white people out or keep Americans out, I'm like, yes, keep us out. Because, like, the whole thing where that um, missionary who got killed by, I was like, you know what? That's what you get. Yeah. (laughs) Leave people alone. Leave them alone. They're out there doing their thing. They don't need help. They definitely don't need your diseases. Like, that. have you learned nothing from history? Here's the thing. I think that, no, but I think... I think that they those people had those people know they don't even get our uh, media and they yeah. were like nah son no, we, ain't doing we saw what you did to those other ones we don't care um, <laughs> but yeah no th- thank you for that I'm gonna definitely check it out yeah yeah I think it's definitely worth checking out because we always talk about you know you can't be what you can't see and yeah. so just kind of learning um, you know me being partly Spanish however yeah. my DNA results want to <laughs> throw it in there um, it was just cool interesting for myself to just kind of learn because honestly I, yeah when you learn the history of any other peoples um, unfortunately most of American history is Eurocentric and um, only selectively so on top dude, of that you learned so much about Europe and it's one of those things here here's the thing too is that like even myself like I remember being in Florida and having a kid ask me, well, what are you? And I was like, oh, I'm black and I got Spanish and whatever. And he's like, oh, man, you got the two worst ones. Like, that's, that's, like, this is an actual reality of, that like. always, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I had a situation happen to me in New York. And one of my coworkers, who's uh, white, but always well-meaning or whatever. That was oh. some of my story of what happened to me. And a coworker of mine who's Asian was telling me a similar story, just kind of like sharing. And the white uh, coworker was like, wait, but aren't you the good minority talking to him? And I was like, there's so much to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, one's the bad one, bro? Yeah, yeah. She was like, but aren't you a good minority? And you're like, okay. So first of all, that shows that white people do have us classified. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Asians, you got luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then also, it's just like, a, so like, uh, at what point in time are you supposed to be grateful yeah. for your rank as sub-white? Yeah, that's it's all it's all very strange. Um, this took a turn. So. <laughs> Anyways, guys, enjoy your homework. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to Brown Beats World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all the places. Make sure to leave us a rating. Keep messaging us. 
uh, on that, thank you guys who can leave comments uh, and answer the questions that we pose out there. Uh, the other day, we made a really big deal about Harley not being on um, one of the episodes, and it turns out there's a reason for it. So yeah, I want to say thank you to Savannah Grace. Uh, she she wrote us and told us that they replaced the original Harley in this episode because Danny McNulty had a bipolar breakdown uh, in the middle of the episode. And the next episode, they sent Harley to a reformatory school, and when Danny recovered, they brought him back for one last appearance. Um, it's actually, she wrote, like, it's on the internet if you just Google Danny McNulty. And I was like, thank you for doing the bare minimum that, that we could, we not, could do. not do. <laughs> we like, could not do it ourselves. Bare minimum. And we were like, nah, it's fine. We'll yeah, just yeah. complain about it. Sure, so sure, sure. Uh, if you have any more answers uh, to any of our questions or want to tell us how lazy we are, please feel free to do so please on do. all of the things at Brum Meets World. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. That's Extra Siege. Uh, and Tonafi. You can find me at a braver me at dot braver dot me on Instagram. Um, you can also find me talking about Boy Meets World right here, wherever the hell you're listening to this right now. <laughs> okay, you guys remember to dream, try, and do better than uh, Chet. <laughs> That's the bare minimum, guys. Do better than Chet. That like not even do good, just do better than Chet. <laughs> okay, little bros. Later, bruh. <laughs>